to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levain, and until just recently, when I started podcasting this very show, I had never seen a single Doctor Who episode, and now I am, of course, all in on every single episode. I cannot wait every week to sit down, watch it, and then get to talk to an expert, uh, somebody that knows Doctor Who better than I do, because, oh my gosh, there's so much to pay attention to in this world. And today, I'm going to welcome a longtime friend and a Doctor Who aficionado. He may not be as big a fan as some of the other folks, but he's still damn important to me. Welcome, Ian Sweetman. Well, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I have to admit, I'm probably not quite the uh, the usual caliber of rabid um, Who fan that but I, I, I can hold my own. I, I can get into a conversation and really start to dissect the, the minutiae with the best of them. It's just I don't carry it around with me daily. That said, I am yeah. wearing a Doctor Who t-shirt right now. But in my defense, it's Doctor Who as played by um, Calvin and Hobbes. So that <laughs> gives me a okay. little bit slightly less nerd, but I still have my cred. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's a very nerdy thing to wear, but, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. not quite as cool as a first time Lord uh, T-shirt. But, you know, available at uh, available at, at first time That is correct. So, um you but still have I the, can't, uh, the holiday one with the TARDIS and the Christmas lights? I, I still do. Excellent. I have the holiday one with the TARDIS and the Christmas lights I'm and a, the the Daleks as the uh, the reindeer. Right. <laughs> uh, so, yes, check both of those designs out, now available. Um, but this week we are talking about episode two from season two, Tooth and Claw, and as a normal proviso out there if you have not seen the episode in a while or you have not seen the episode ever here's a good time to pause the podcast go watch the episode and then come back and join us because i'm going to ask questions that will inevitably create a spoiler for you so watch the episode along it is definitely a good one and i i had not seen it i uh, ian said hey i'd like to be in the podcast i said sure let's do tooth and claw and it's almost as if it was made for you because this episode <laughs> opens with this big like martial arts sequence <laughs> And yeah, you yeah. are a big taekwondo. Uh, you're what a, a second or third uh, th- degree th- black belt. Th- third degree black belt. Yeah. Third degree black belt. So you you are, <laughs> in this essence, an absolute expert when it comes to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I've used the uh, the bow staff, which uh, was very visible in that sequence. Um, yes. A, a few times, it was one of my favorite weapons to use when I was a teenager. And then after going to Disney World, I had a job that required me to use one of four uh, different weapons, depending on what show I was or what character I was performing. <laughs> um, you know, but I always had a, an affinity to the bow staff. Um, my, my observation on that, that sequence was that, uh, you know, they were good martial artists and they were not quite sure if they were getting their moves right for the camera, because you could see them be a little hesitant every once in a while. I was like, and 
pose. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. There, there was a lot of striking poses. Yeah. Uh, not so much a lot of contact. Yeah. There, yeah. You know, there, there was a lot of trying to look pretty while finishing a flourish of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh man, they, uh, they turned the camera on and said action. And they kept all of that in before they actually moved to their action. It's like, Okay. <laughs> and listen, film is expensive, and clearly, Doctor Who is not a show that, uh, at least from the beginning, uh, benefited from a large budget. So, of course, you're going to use every ounce of uh, film right. that you got, you know. Uh, but it was kind of cool. You know, they had a couple of leaps through the air and a couple uh <laughs> Uh, you know, not not very Some eighteen, wire work, yeah. <laughs> right? Not in very eighteen seventy nine uh, style fighting, uh, right? Especially in Europe, <laughs> in Scotland, <laughs> right. a, a Scottish order uh, of monks that uh, has somehow managed to learn this very uh, modern style of fighting. Well, even if it's not not specifically, I mean, it really looked like uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon style because of the wire work that they're doing, oh, you know, yeah. for the leaps and all the fancy stuff. But you know, just the fact that you know they took off their traditional heavy uh, monk robes, you know, that you would expect to see in mm-hmm. in Scotland, and suddenly they're wearing these bright red, uh, you know, pseudo Asian gi type outfits you know it looked like kind of japanese and kind of chinese so it was vague it was like a very tight monk looking you know because monk 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 robes tend to be very free-flowing and Mm. these looked very form-fitting yeah so Mm. very modern in that respect you know they still have that tibetan look to them (laughs) right right you know you you could kind of see david carradine pulling it off back in the day before (laughs) He went to the United States Old West in, in the classic Kung Fu series from the 70s. Sure, yes, sure. I'm that old. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I, that was a show that I watched in Argentina. I, I enjoyed oh, nice. that show. Nice. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, it was so interesting. I, I, I picked Ian's going to participate in the show finally, and here I'm watching the show, and I'm like, did he know – was he aware that this is the show where there's going to be a lot of martial arts? Um, <laughs> not, when you, not when you've made the uh, the opportunity. You, you're like, uh, I don't have a host yet. And I'm like, I could do that. Right? And then I went back and looked. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I could totally do this. <laughs> Ser- serendipity has a way of working itself into everything we do. Uh, but yeah. I thought that was a cool beginning. Definitely uh, different than anything that we've had in Doctor Who thus far. Um, Mm -hmm. And definitely, you know, one of those uh, we're going to set up the story before the doctor even appears on screen kind of thing. But once again, we have the doctor uh, telling Rose they're going to go somewhere and directing the TARDIS to go. And then the TARDIS decides, nope, you're going to go somewhere completely different. <laughs> and you know this is the first time that I've seen David Tennant react mm-hmm. to the the swing and a miss by the TARDIS uh, <laughs> and you know he's like oh 1879 
Right. That's close right. enough. <laughs> um, the same thing, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah that, that, so that, that was a great, you know, sort of, uh, I'm, I'm still. No Muppet movie, though. <laughs> I know, which was so, like, I, I love the fact that he mentioned the Muppets, you know, all the things that came out in 79 and he was super excited at. Uh, and then, you know the 1870 <laughs> but you know this is i'm still feeling I'm, I'm still getting sort of the feel for david Tennant. uh you mm-hmm. know i've i this is only the third episode that he is in uh the the christmas special where he's mostly out through most of the episode you mm-hmm. know almost doesn't really count it's like half of an episode <laughs> so i'm still trying to get the the feel for what his doctor is going to be uh, right. And there was a little bit of that familiar, that familiar way of responding to a big giant time different. Uh, mm. You know, uh, we saw Eccleson be like, "Oh yeah, it's only been ten minutes," and then he runs up and is like, "Actually, it was a year. It was a whole year." It hasn't sorry, been sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, and so you know, to to miss by an entire century and be like, eh, "Close mm-hmm. enough." <laughs> right. right that was that was a very nice uh nice little touch there um but they meet queen victoria now i'm not yes i'm not up on my uh british history yeah uh you know as an argentinian we did not have favorable uh images of the british in the 80s <laughs> so you'll forgive me if i didn't study no. a whole lot of that but uh mm-hmm. so sh- is she the mom of Queen Elizabeth or? Um, no, no, not the mother of Queen Elizabeth, but uh, um, I think grandmother of Queen Elizabeth, you know, okay. our current Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. She, Cause she, she, this woman came, was in power in the uh, 1800s. And then obviously uh, Queen Elizabeth took, uh, took the monarchy in the 1950s, I think 54. Don't mm-hmm. quote me on that because, you know, I'm not definite, but, uh, you know, definitely a, a generation or two before was uh, Victoria. Okay. You know, okay. And, the, and she's the reason why the Victorian age is known as it is, which is so popular with um, steampunk uh, aficionados. Mm-hmm. Everything happens with that particular look that comes in part from this time frame. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know well, that. Yeah. yeah. I, I figured there, there's some historical relevance to, uh, to Victoria. Uh, and I wasn't sure, you know, 1879 is not that far away from the 1900s. So, right, you know, right. depending on how young she was, uh, you know, the show depicts her as somewhat of a, an elder statement, but, in reality, she could have been, you know, a little younger. Uh, I mean, it, it wouldn't have been out of the realm of possibility that you become a monarch in, in your early 20s, uh, mm. you know, life expectancy being what it was back then. So, yeah, but she was ridiculously long lived, uh, much like Queen Elizabeth, mm. um, you know, for the time, you know, the. Uh, uh, you know, her reign was a lot longer than I think most people expected, you know, cause the men that had ruled around her, uh, were much, much shorter periods. Mm. Um, you know, but again, I'm not an expert in, 
all of that. And frankly, you know, uh, my girlfriend's been watching the uh, the Crown. The Crown. <laughs> uh, you know, and so she's probably way more on top of the uh, the actual, you know, timeline of various uh, monarchs than, oh, yeah, than I am, yeah. you know, or, and the relationships between them and all. Uh, but, you know, just the, the significance of, um, of being Queen Victoria and what she, her presence brings to this episode, obviously, is our focus. And then how that may or may not influence things further down, uh, obviously, remains to be seen for you. Right, right. Yeah. So we, we see Queen Victoria and it is abundantly clear that there's, you know, some some work at play that is directing her to come in this uh, in this manner through the part of uh, Scotland where she's in. Um, and she even hints at it. She's like, you know, I'm the queen. Uh, nothing happens by accident or something mm. along those lines. She says that. Line. Yeah. Um, but you know there there's a tree in the in the line for the, for the train so they're they're taking her by carriage uh and they decide to stop at a at a estate a scottish mm-hmm. estate um and i have to comment on this because i mentioned it last week and i had no idea that this mm-hmm. was coming um i asked uh, actually, I asked Eric Sweetman uh, why. <laughs> I've heard of him. What a guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you know, Eccleston uh, didn't do a different accent. His was his normal accent, which is very much a northern uh, England uh, accent. Mm-hmm. And I asked why, why does David Tennant not do his Scottish accent? Uh, and there wasn't really an answer other than, you know, most likely just the an aesthetic or whatever choice uh made by both uh the show creator and david tennant but in this Mm. episode like episode two season two and he gets to use his scottish brogue which was fantastic (laughs) yeah yeah until he has to stop using it even queen victoria notices that what happened you change your voice Yeah, which was such a cool way, you know. That I I love the um, the isms in the show, the uh, mm-hmm. the linguistics and the um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? The idioms uh, mm-hmm. that the Scottish use, and that he uh, <laughs> David Tennant, uh, you know, the doctor immediately adopts uh, when they're talking about the nakedness of his companion, <laughs> uh, and yeah. just the, the it, it is. One of the, one of the most fascinating accents for me has always been the Scottish brogue, uh, because yeah. it just like the 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 British accent, it has so many different um, variations on it, or, or even like the American accent, you know, between the South and the North and the um, the Midwest and the the, the West, mm. but the the just the way it sounds it is so pleasing to my ear and it's almost in inevitable for me once i hear it i adopt a little bit of it <laughs> which can yeah. be dangerous and last year uh, or two years ago when we uh, visit uh, visited london uh, i had to remind myself not to do it because you know 
the actual Scottish folks that I was talking to may find it offensive. Uh, and, and you're like, no, 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 it's, it, it's a appreciation. Like I, I love your way of speaking. I'm not making fun of it. I'm so sorry. Right. I want to talk like you for real. <laughs> right. You know, it's, the, it's an honor. <laughs> the, the, the accents in this, in this episode are so mm. like, my, it's my favorite sort of dialect to listen to uh mm-hmm. and the way they speak uh because you can tell you know the the way uh certain accents uh, are you know these are more oh, gosh i'm i'm <laughs> in speaking about words and accents and i am just stumbling Losing over my words. own words uh <laughs> but you can see the difference in classes uh, mm-hmm. between the the higher class like the the servants of the house and the lords of the house and how they speak uh mm-hmm. and it's just so beautiful uh whereas I'm fairly obtuse about other types of dialects scottish dialects immediately like my antenna goes up and I love 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 hearing it um but so she's taken to this estate, and the first thing that strikes me is the name of the estate is Torchwood. And now right, this Torchwood. is something that uh, has come up before. Uh, mm-hmm. It was mentioned uh, in the previous season. It was definitely mentioned during the Christmas episode um, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden London is like the dish from uh, the Death Star and emits this like beam that can destroy an entire spaceship. Right, right. Um, so jumping the to the <laughs> <laughs> jumping to the end of the episode... Uh, is it safe to assume that this is literally the beginning, the anti- the antithesis? Is that no? And no, that's not the right word. That's not um, the right word. It, but it is the origins. For the sure. origins of of Torchwood generate mm-hmm. from this. It's moment. the genesis. The genesis. That's, that, that's the word you were looking for. <laughs> ah, the antithesis would be the not. You know, the, the furthest thing the, from the, the right. The the opposite yeah. of the beginning. Um, yeah. But, so this is the genesis of the Torchwood organization that uh, we've mm-hmm. started to hear a little bit about at the end of last season and certainly in this season. Yes. And it seems based on the Queen's reaction. And again, we jump around in this show, so uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <Ian. laughs> um, it, it seems like um, there's a, a certain level of anger coming from the queen or like like she needs to know that this organization is going to be prepared to fight against people like the doctor yes uh, at a a certain level absolutely because i think when the episode starts you're dealing with her being kind of uh distantly intrigued by the idea of things that go bump in the night, you know, mm-hmm. dealing with the legends and stories of, uh, of werewolves in the area. She's like, Ooh, tell me more because it's, you know, it, it, the ghost stories, as she put it, um, you know, the, the thrills and terrors and nightmares are there for the children. But then for the adults, you have the hope of being able to communicate 
through the veil of death to the other side. And since her husband has uh, passed away and she would very much like to reconnect with him, she entertains those ideas as a possibility, gives her hope in kind of a wistful, nostalgic sense. And then the reality of werewolves and whether or not they're supernatural or alien in origin suddenly made her reconsider her positions and mm. you know obviously eventually she was not amused <laughs> she was not amused <laughs> which i i'm going to assume that that was an idiom that she must have used frequently yeah, yeah, uh if not frequently it was certainly uh specifically you know she mm-hmm. was known for saying we are not amused um using the royal we uh mm. You know, so that's that's why from the very beginning, as soon as they realized where they were and who they were talking to, uh, Rose was really, I want to do this. I want to get her to say it. Cause, <laughs> you know, who else has that opportunity? And, you know, for the doctor to be like, I don't know, that seems like an abuse. Ten quid? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't do that. It would abuse my position as a time traveler. Uh, okay, yeah, ten quid. That, that sounds great. I, know. Um, I I do appreciate the this new relationship that is uh, being forged uh, by mm-hmm. the 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 tenant the 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 tenth doctors. Uh, mannerisms uh, and Rose and how they sort of share these little asides where they're neck deep in the situation and yet they are both appreciative of like hey we're in the you know 1879 and we're being chased by a werewolf that's cool I I think that's Liz described it um, to me because I was watching it this morning and she was uh, listening to it um, as I was doing and she described this episode as kind of like the Scooby-Doo episode. I think that's actually pretty accurate for a number of reasons. One, you're dealing with um, you're dealing with werewolves, which is yeah, the monster know, the of the week. Of, yeah, the monster of the week. It's the meat of Scooby-Doo. But you're also dealing with a couple of people who are out for a lark. They're having a good time going on these adventures. You know, the idea that you know, oh, we're supposed to go to 1979 and whatever that entails in their itinerary is it was a concert. Great. They were going to go see a concert. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, and whatever else came up, you know, if they wanted to go see them up a movie, they could have done it in the theaters. Uh, that might be <laughs> what I do. Um, but they're open-minded about and accepting of anything. It's like, okay, you know, we didn't make it. You did not see a moment of disappointment in Rose. Um, mm-hmm. that they didn't get to get to the 1970s. Um, you know, they're just there for a good time. And that's something that for me is pretty significant, uh, especially in these early episodes where they are just exploring to explore. And they are more than happy to, to have those moments of, guess what, she said that. And, you right. know, they're, they're, they're playing and, you know, they actually get caught up in it a little too much and they get dressed down by Her Majesty um, <laughs> for not taking it seriously enough. You know, especially when Rose kept trying. It's like, don't do it, don't do it. Oh, crap, she, 
she yeah she she was really trying to to do it <laughs> yeah and it was kind of clumsy and everything but intentionally so there was no reason for anybody to miss that opportunity <laughs> oh sure but, sure you know, and then the other thing that Salt Scooby do about it is, you know, the thing that if you haven't quite picked it up yet, um, the Tenth Doctor is known for running. He mm. runs everywhere. He probably wore out more pairs of shoes than anybody else during this show. And there's a ton of running in this episode, just like in a Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got people running up and down hallways in a spooky old house. This is that. Um, that that episode completely that's i've i've noticed uh especially with the first season um that it almost felt like every episode had uh it was trying to evoke a different theme uh and mm. there was a lot of stuff that i picked up that felt very much like an x-files episode and things mm -hmm. that felt uh you know like the classic uh, like you said, monster of the week uh, type episode. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I can, I can, so I can totally see how that would just be a continuation of the mm -hmm. efforts that they were, you know, putting into the first season uh, and that I've described in previous podcasts of how the show tries to evoke a specific note. And sure, in this episode, I can, I can absolutely see that Scooby Doo vibe. Uh, and instead of a TARDIS, it's a, uh, it's the mystery machine, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and instead of Scooby, it's K9. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I could, I could definitely see that. Um, I just, it, while the, clearly the budget for special effects has been uh, greatly amplified in season two, because mm. uh, the, the, the 3D effects or the the computer generated uh, werewolf, uh, werewolf imagery yeah. is so much better and so much better blended into the real shot uh, than the Slovene were in uh, in season one. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the Slovene were great looking models and great looking uh, aliens, but when they were not practical, they looked very plasticky. Um, right, right, and they looked very much like there were there was the actual shot, and then there was whatever the computer generated, uh, whereas mm -hmm. the the werewolf was uh, much better. Um, and there is that moment where uh, they're kind of trying to emulate the the infamous uh, werewolf in London transformation. Mm -hmm. right. um, in their own way, I mean, it, the werewolf in London transformation is. Uh, legendary in the film industry because it is done practically everything mm -hmm. that you see on that screen was shot and captured by the camera it was not enhanced digitally uh or you know in in any way after the fact uh, right. which they is didn't when, have that technology at that time you know, i mean it was, it, it was starting was to it was something that was starting to be used, you know, multiple plates and shooting against uh, blue screen and then uh, mm -hmm. rotoscoping things in and out. So things were starting to go that way. But that scene sort of showed uh, to this day something that I think a lot of filmmakers can learn from, which is mm -hmm. physical effects are always better than digital effects. 
um, you know, as good as they can be in Jurassic Park, you see the real dinosaurs running around. Mm-hmm. The physical effect, having the actual T-Rex in its full size interacting with the environment still looks more real than the computer ever will. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought they did a very good job at, at, at creating special effects that for TV standards are t- kind of difficult to achieve uh, yeah. because of the the budget and the time that usually uh, the time constraints uh, behind it. So I really appreciated the the effects. And, you know, there were a couple of really cool shots with the, the werewolf howling and the moon in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, very quintessential shots uh, that I really appreciated. But of course, in true Doctor Who fashion, it's not an actual werewolf; it's an alien. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, but that—that's just kind of the thing that uh, they bring up: is—is is it not an actual werewolf? Because it is, and its you know transfer of its energy is done the same way. You know, you you would transfer whatever that that entity is that has possessed the boy's body. And then, you know, the threat, the whole reason why they've set this up is to get Queen Victoria to that house at that time so that they could transfer that malevolent energy into her. Right. Into the monarchy. A scratch or, or, or a, a bite. And so they, their attempt to do that, um, Certainly, uh, you know, all, all of the other, you know, quote unquote facts of werewolves, you could go down the checklist and it's like, oh, that's obviously true. And that's obviously true. Mm-hmm. This thing manifested itself in that particular form for whatever reason. It might not have been a specific, uh, you know, like our, my people on my planet, we all look like this. And I'm just making this this boy look like what I would, you know. Or it's like, you know, these, these legends, you know, they're scary animals. Therefore I'm going to become that in order to get what I want. You know, you don't well, really the, have a the, lot the of doctor clarity. even the, the, the doctor does kind of make a quick mention of it in that, um, it, you know, the, they describe the, the, whatever the meteorite that crashed mm-hmm. near that area, uh, hundreds of years before, that right. it would stand to reason that only a cell or two from this alien life form mm. survived and that it would take it uh, a couple hundreds of years to evolve to what it was. So, right. you know, it, it stands to reason that, you know, it, 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 would, it would evoke a werewolf type, uh, but that, it's not what I liked, uh, at least in my uh, in my eyes and opinion, is that mm-hmm. the show the show sort of insinuates that yes, werewolves are real, but it's only because it's of alien descent and it's right, the, right. the evolution of this alien DNA. Uh, because you know we we've seen it uh, in other episodes already uh, mm. in Doctor Who, in that it is abundantly clear that the universe is teeming with life, and that life will do whatever it takes to survive, and that mm. includes completely annihilating another life source or another life form if yeah. they're seen as a threat. So of course in, in a universe where it's eat or be eaten, 
this DNA would cling to whatever the strongest, uh, you know, source of uh, material to continue its propagation would be. And then, and then in mm-hmm. this case, it would be something akin to the powers that are imbued uh, to a, a werewolf-like uh, entity. Uh, mm. So I, again, I just, I appreciate the cleverness of the show of, like you said, presenting all of the tropes of the quintessential werewolf mythos and then saying, yeah, but it's also alien. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, nobody shot any silver bullets at it, mm-hmm. but so we, we can't test that theory, but everything else, like I say, checked out and whether that was intentional uh, because of the stories or it was what became the stories they leave vague and i think that works i again i was not expecting the show to take me the way that it has and to sort mm. of uh cradle all of those propensities that i have for all of the the science fictiony things that mm. i've been a fan of and incorporate them so neatly into a world that sort of self-explains everything well, that happens I, Part part of me totally willing to take that on face value. The other part of me is like, are you sure you didn't expect that? Because the um, you know you 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 have a, a a podcast that's dedicated to your experiences to chronicling them. I would say you at least expected something to get you and entertain I, that part of you from the very beginning <laughs> i assume basically i i went on faith alone and i created okay. this podcast on faith alone based on so many of my friends telling me you're going to like the show yeah yeah and you know it, it, eventually when one two three people tell you you know you have to start sort of paying attention and mm-hmm. you know times being what they were and work and all of that I I just, I didn't put the effort into it. And the moment I started watching, not only were they right, but I was not expecting my reaction to the show to be just, uh, to find it so comforting. Right. To to be the, the, because it, 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 it is something that feels so, uh, it feels so familiar while being new. Yeah. And, and it's not because, you know, it's old and it was in 2005 or, you know, in, in the 1960s, it, it's <laughs> because it, it just, it takes so many of the things that I absolutely love. So many of the ideas that I love, I mean, a werewolf appears on the screen and I am <laughs> giddy with excitement because <laughs> it's taken me back to that younger version of me that you know couldn't get enough of werewolf movies and of ghost movies and of all of these things you know and and of spaceships and time travel and all of a sudden they're all married into this one thing and i genuinely did not expect that the 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 expectations that i had for the show was that it was some kooky you know sci-fi show that used, you know, the, you know, the TARDIS and I, I genuinely had written it off as just this kooky little thing. And as I'm going through it, I did not expect it, but I love just every episode just makes me love the show more. It makes <laughs> me appreciate what they're doing and really go, man, I wish I had gotten into this earlier and sooner 
so that I could be further down this path of, uh, of enjoying this thing that is just so thoroughly enjoyable. I mean, again, I have a desk full of Ghostbuster stuff because it captured my imagination in a way that to this day, as a full grown adult, I get excited and giddy about Ghostbusters. And I haven't had that in a very long time. And that's exactly the same feeling that I'm getting with Doctor Who. More nice. than I did, you know, I love Star Wars. I, <laughs> I, I'm enjoying this in a completely different level. And it's a much more personal uh, it's not a cerebral. It's not about, you know, how good is the writing? How good is the acting? Although all of that is enjoyable. It's genuinely like every one of these episodes, it's going straight from my heart. And it's like an arrow that just get, keeps getting, you know, more and more of those arrows keep getting stuck in there. Uh, and I'm just, uh, I'm completely, completely adoring and in love with the show at this point. Nice. Nice. So, um, I, I, that's the, those are most of my questions and our <laughs> observations. Did Excellent. I, did I miss anything? I don't think so. I mean, the, the stuff that kind of gives you, Oh, this is going to come up. It's really you know, applied with a, a hammer in this film or in this episode. The, yeah. Uh, I mean, the they, they, they hit the torchwood very, very hard. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's really not anything that's like, Oh, did you notice this? Um, because you kind of, you, you do see the Genesis of torchwood um, and you kind of understand the reason for it. And all of that's going to come into play a lot more as you go through this season and, and beyond. Um you know, so just kind of sit back and enjoy the ride. But it did seem as if the um, as if the creature uh, either scratched or bit the queen because she's very adamant that the doctor not inspector. Yes. And she continues to sort of nurse that wrist and keep looking at it as she is talking to, uh, I guess, the lady of the house that is now going to. Uh, incite and or create the the Torchwood organization. Right. right. So it does it does seem like she is uh, hiding something. So. Yeah. You know, and but basically we're we're dealing with um, the the emotional moment. You know, she she's the Queen Victoria has become soured to the idea of things that she can't explain and. She mm -hmm. feels that, rightly so, that it is a threat to uh, her world and that they need to prevent stuff like this from happening. And she obviously doesn't know anything about um, about the fact that the Doctor is a time traveler. That's the situation. Like I say, there isn't anything that's really hidden that comes back unexpectedly. The stuff comes back expectantly and it will be worth the wait. Um, it, def it definitely seems, and this is just my extrapolation based on the, the, the first couple of episodes, is that there is going to be some sort of uh, confrontation between the, the British government and the doctor because it started with uh, Harriet Jones uh, activating Torchwood and sort of showing this massive amount of uh, uh, firepower mm -hmm. that she possesses. 
And now we're seeing the beginnings of the Torchwood organization mm. and the, the genesis of the idea uh, that leads to that level of intolerance for, you know, the pseudo supernatural. Right. So uh, I'm interested to see how that develops uh, this this uh, go around. And I do, uh, I as we wrap up, there was a moment that I really appreciated where the creature uh, is having a conversation with Rose and mentions Slide your eyes, you've seen it too. Seen what? The wolf, there is something of the wolf about you. I don't know what you mean. You burn like the sun, but all I require is the moon. And I appreciated that because she is the bad wolf. We've come to find that out. Uh, and the bad wolf is still making an appearance. It's not the the front and center mystery that it was before, uh, but it still has that ramification. And of course, she doesn't remember, uh, so she doesn't understand, but it it was nice that me as the audience member uh, heard that and went, oh, my gosh, she's referring to Bad Wolf because he's a wolf and she's a yay. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, and that, that's what it's for. <laughs> Thank you so much for participating in this week's episode. You're Ian. welcome. Thanks for having me. This is fun. And uh, thank you, dear listener, for making it to the end of yet another First Time Lord. If you'd like to support the show, we talked about it at the beginning, but visit firsttimelord.com and you can uh, click on the link that will take you to the merch store. You can, of course, find all of our previous episodes and comment on any of our previous episodes. And you can also click on the link that will take you to our Patreon site. If you go to Patreon, I can be found as Daniel Levain and you can donate uh, $5 gets you access to these episodes as soon as they are available uh, and a few dollars more you can get extras that include uh, things that get cut out of the show four times so that the shows stay at uh, a specific length but that are still quite interesting bits of conversation some of them are fun little bloopers that happen throughout the episode uh, as we record uh, but all support <laughs> all support is greatly appreciated uh, so stop on by the merch store the website or the patreon uh, or just share the show if you have enjoyed the show share it send it to a friend send it to a couple of friends uh, all of that uh, greatly helps out uh, me being able to continue to do this and continue to share in this thing that I found that I absolutely love and can't get enough. And so that uh, wraps it up. And uh, I think it's time for me to head on out and uh, watch more Doctor Who. Then you may think on this also, that I am not amused. <laughs> <laughs>